Today on Coco Disaster, I've been shooting for 20 minutes, why won't he die? Hi, and welcome to Coco Disaster for a very special episode. I'm Chorpsoy. I'm Jordan. And I'm Jay. And we're here to bring you the first installment of a special Coco Disaster-style show, which we're going to call Single Servings. And it's where we focus on one show and just discuss it from uh, front to back. And I think it's only appropriate to start with one of the greatest TV anime ever put to this planet. Yeah, this is one that a lot of people clamor about, and I just all the time am hearing about. Mm-hmm. It's Gungrave. There you based go. on the PlayStation 2 game by Yasuhiro Naito. Ah, uh, yeah. Made it all on his own. <laughs> yep, it was just him. He coded it, <laughs> put it together. And he even made the anime. It was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So, what a guy. This is a, a little self-indulgent. This is a little self-indulgent because uh, this is a tie-in to a Let's Play I'm doing. But we do plan to do more of these that are uh, maybe a little more... Um, accessible for a wider audience. You know, shows that you may have heard of. Right. Like Gungrave. Yeah, but today we're going to talk about Gungrave, which is surprisingly good. Yes. I think, as like an adaptation of something that is uh, overall pretty empty, which is the original Gungrave game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't think of something more like Gonzo and just like silly, weird action than Gungrave. Yeah, and it got turned into something, I think, that with a lot of, like, artistic integrity. Yeah. It's it's really surprising in ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, I guess let's start off real quick. Uh, you know a lot about Gungrave, Jordan. Is there any, just, like, prefacing it with, like, the big names in charge, who's, who's handling it? Uh, well, it's... The studio behind it is Studio Madhouse, and there's, like, sort of a reason for that. Is because Gungrave, sort of like the creative voice behind it, was Yasuhiro Naito, the creator of Trigun, uh, which is a manga that was also adapted by Studio Madhouse. And then on top of that, uh, Red Entertainment, who made the Gungrave video game, were also working on a Trigun video game, Trigun Planet Gunsmoke at one point, which got cancelled. So there was already sort of like a connected triangle there, and that's why all these names ended up together. Yeah, if you look through the staff, you see a lot of um, familiar names between both Trigun and Gungrave, uh, the the screenwriter for uh, Gungrave also did the screenwriting for Trigun as well. Yes. And actually, um, although uh, Yasuhiro Naitao handled the concept and the character creation for Gungrave, uh, Yosuke Kuroda, the, the screenwriter, ended up working on most of the actual story proper. Yeah. Uh, it turned... Yeah, Naitao ended up more as like a... Uh, like a consultant to make sure everything was like clear with his vision. The idea guy. Yeah, but it was mostly left to uh, Yosuke Kuroda to handle the actual development of the series. Mm-hmm. I think the most interesting uh, staff credit staff member on uh, Gungrave is actually that it was one of the earliest works at Madhouse of uh, Tetsuro Araki, who would later go on to direct Death Note, Attack on Titan, and High School of the Dead. Oh, so a big... Like, a pretty big guy. That's a really big name, yeah. Death Note is one of the most popular anime of all time. I've heard of all three of them. Well, yeah, there you see? go. Perfect. 
works out exactly as we hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into Gungrave proper, I want to just kind of go over like Yasuhiro Naito's work because he's for for someone who's kind, who seems like a pretty big name, he really hasn't done that much. No, like he's he's mostly written on um, his original series Trigun, and I guess the sequel Trigun Maximum. Yes. So in in the middle of that, he gets pulled in to do Gungrave because he meets a, one of the producers at Red Entertainment, and they want to work together, and they just ask, hey, uh, Naitao, what kind of game you want to make? <laughs> and he's like, I want to make this kind of cool action gunplay game, because not en- there aren't enough of these, or there aren't many of them, and I want to play this sort of game. How times have changed, huh? And it was originally... P- it was originally pitched, I think, in, like, 98. Wow. Is what I read Jeez. through an interview. Like, the the character designs and everything were done in 98, and it took, uh, what would have been, like, five years to actually make the game at that point? Jeez. He played, like, Z- Rising Zane, Samurai Gunman, and was like, I want to do this, but more so. <laughs> but even more. Uh, but with uh, Trigun and Gungrave and his newest series, Blood Blockade Battlefront, it really feels like um, Naitao is very big into sort of like Western, uh, kind of Western cinematics. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. you have a story heavily built around like the Wild West sort of stuff. Then this one's a very like mafioso sort of revenge story. And then Blood Blockade Battlefront is just like uh, your your New York business, like a Mad Men or whatever. Mad Men meets Men in Black. Yes, it sure. seem it all seems very um, Western focused. But uh, reading more into it, it seems like he built a lot of what Gungrave like the overall tone of Gungrave, at least for the game, off of um, like what he calls Hong Kong noir. Like, sort of the gunplay sort of revenge stories coming out of China at the time. Oh, so, like, uh, early... Uh, oh, my God, what's that guy called? The director of Face Off. John Woo, there you go. That's, you know, Face Off, his most well-known movie. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very John Woo-esque. But yeah, he, he he built it a lot off of these sort of John Woo ideas, but still gives the setting this very Western feel, not only in the character designs with, like, Grave having a cowboy hat, but also just, like, a lot of the a lot of the feel just seems a lot more in tune with sort of western characters and stuff. And you know, in Tri or in Gungrave there's a character who has two shiny metal or shiny gold revolvers in Face Off there's also a character who has two golden revolvers. Hmm. Oh. Which came first? Uh probably Face Off. I think that's like 2001. Okay. So I can't, I can't easily go. Oh, John Woo just stole this. <laughs> no. What a hack. Well, if he did steal it, uh, the character in Gungrave, he's got a gold and a silver revolver. Oh, you're so right. So John Woo was like, I can one up this. <laughs> <laughs> what a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, couple other like, it's a surprising number of big names that ended up both on the game and the anime. Mm-hmm. Because uh, while Yasuhiro Naito handled the character designs, the mechanical designs are done by a man named Kosuke Fujishima, who uh, it, like did work on, like, Oh My Goddess, and You're Under Arrest, and Soccer Wars, and the Tales of series. Like, very, like, surprisingly big names for what ends up being just, like, a passion project, more or less. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, just because they have these, like, tiny connections together, they end up all together. And it does give 
Gungrave a very like distinct feel. Yes. Oh yeah. Like there's there's nothing else really like it, I feel. There's no there's no anime out there where the where with the body is that big. Yeah, it's it's extremely two thousands. <laughs> but alright, so let's get into I guess the anime proper. Alright. With so with the game, it's it's a very like two hour sort of thing that's just the actual revenge story. When they created the anime, uh, they knew that that would not be enough to fill the 26 episodes they were given. And so they they made it more focused on the human element of why the revenge has to happen. Yeah. And so most of it is a flashback to, like, pre, pre-game material that showed of sto- shows the story of um, Brandon Heat and Harry McDowell two best buddies kind of living it on the lamb and how they eventually build up to becoming like big names in the the mafia known as Millennium, or I guess in a business known as Millennium. Yes. Yeah. And eventually the the betrayal of Harry McDowell and how that then develops into what the game is. Because this does handle that material as well but in a very different way to sort of keep it a little more grounded and realistic compared to what the game ends up being. Yeah. There are no aliens in this story no. that just come out of nowhere. <laughs> and that was a pretty good decision. Yeah, I think so too. Because mm. I feel like if you go too far with what they've done, it, it starts to lose some of its like emotional impact because it just becomes ridiculous. Well, it already becomes pretty ridiculous, I think. Yeah. Yes, true. But I feel like it's still that human element is still always present. They never, they never go like, oh, there's something really supernatural. It's just technology. All right. That's fair. Yeah. There's nothing supernatural about this fat man being <laughs> powered by propellers and throwing fat bombs. <laughs> All right, so let's start. Uh, let's start episode one. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna take forever. Yeah. So episode one, we can actually pretty much ignore. It comes back later. Oh, that's right. It. So episode one is basically just proof of concept. Like, hey, I know you guys are here for the sick gunplay, so they do it. <laughs> but just hear us out for fifteen episodes first. Yeah, but then for I think the next like. I'm, I'm actually looking. I yeah, think for the next next 15 episodes after that, it's all backstory. Yeah. It's o- over half the anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so episode one is basically just to get people in who expected the fast action gunplay of Gungrave. And then, every, and then right after, it's just, hey, here's the story we actually want to tell. It's just like, hey, remember Gungrave? And there's a collective... N- no... <laughs> well, guess what? He's back. He's back. From from the grave. He's beyond it. So before we go too far in, uh, also, all of us watch the dub, right? Yes. So we'll be talking about the dub voices and things. So if there are mild inconsistencies between the script, that's why. I don't think so, though. There's not much script as it is. Mm-hmm. Right. You want to you take the reins, Jordan, since you're the one most familiar with Gungrave? Uh, well, if I'm gonna take the reins, then I'm gonna, like, turbo speed through the story, probably. So I don't know if that's a good idea. 
Well, we'll we'll start and we'll see how it goes. All right. So the basic story it's about Brandon Heat and Harry McDowell and some of their vagabond friends living in the living in the downtown dirty neighborhood. Living on, living a life of light crime. Yeah, they're like a street gang. Yeah. yeah. There's like Kenny, who's a kid, and there's the guy with the football jersey. And, and Chopper's then doctoring. Then there's <laughs> Jolus with his horrible, horrible dead eyes. Yeah, Jolus is the cook for them. Yes. Kenny's the Kenny. Kenny's Jolus cooking. And Nathan is the other guy. Nathan's the big guy who wears the hockey jerseys. Right. And they're like, they're the little tightly knit gang. And <laughs> basically the first thing that happens is, uh, if I remember correctly, they get in trouble with like the little brother brother of like some big, like the big bad of the early story, like Mad Dog. Yes, there's a there's another moth. There, there are a bunch of gangs here. Yes. And uh, he gets, uh, so they get in a fight with a gang led by a dude named Deed. Yes. Whose older brother, Mad Dog... Mad Dog Lad. (laughs) ...left at some point to join the Mafia. Yeah. And so they get into this fight with, uh, with Deed, where I think Deed pulls a fake gun out to try and intimidate them, and they just, like, own him really hard. Yeah. And then, uh, Mad Dog comes back and is like, hey, my little brother is really, really messing up my reputation. He's running my gang like shit. And so he goes out, and he... The fucking murders Jolis immediately yeah. and basically forces them into hiding because they know where their hideout is and then, now. Uh, and then Kenny pulls out a fake gun and that's theming. No, it's not yet. Oh, is that not yet? That's not yet. Oh, okay. I mean, we just know Kenny has a gun. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and during this whole time we, we get a look into a, uh, we get to look at a girl named Maria who mm-hmm. Brandon seems to have a crush on. But uh, she's, like, going to school. She's, like, trying to be well-to-do and take care of herself. And her uncle is, like, extremely not happy that Brandon is, like, talking to her. Well, interacting with her. He doesn't really talk, let's be fair. First, we should say that uh, the uncle is extremely cool because he wears Hawaiian shirts. (laughs) Right. He's the coolest. He is really cool. His name's Jester, I think? His name is Jester, yes. And he's he's just like, hey Brandon, stop hanging out with my uh, with my niece. I don't like it. You're a gang member. I don't like when you say the name Maria. It sounds like Shadow the Hedgehog is talking. <laughs> I was thinking about that too. Oh, we could make a lot of comparisons, but let's save that. Okay. <laughs> and that so then after that, um, a lot happens in this show. By the way, a lot happens, and it's surprising because it never feels like filled. Like, it never feels, like, overstuffed. I think it but does. But there's just so much going on. There is. There are, there are like, four seasons worth of plot points stuffed into this two-season show. Especially, uh, I think, pre their, like, introduction to Millennium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it starts to slow down a bit after that, but it's it's hard getting everything together. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so they're now, they're now on the run from Mad Dog. Yes. They're on the run from Mad Dog Lab. And they're trying to keep the gang together. Yes. And they have... Is this when they have the confrontation at Kenny's grave? No. This okay. is... Um, they try to go and get help uh, from a, that information broker. Yes. Right. Who is... And who, due to uh, a fear-mongering like, thing by Mad Dog, ends up betraying them. And Harry gets shot. Yes. Wait. Harry gets shot? I don't... I'm pretty sure. 
I don't remember that. He gets wounded. I think he gets beat up. That's right, he just gets beat up. Because he makes a comment, like, later in the anime that he's never been shot. That's right. Oh, yeah. What a, what a guy. What a <laughs> wuss. Good old never shot Harry. But, um... So then, uh, with no one else to turn to, Brandon turns to Jester, uh, who basically just says, Hey, uh, Brandon, I need you to leave. Yeah. Like, town. Uh, I'm gonna take care of Maria... And you being around her is just making it worse for her because she might get shot. At which point it gets interrupted because, uh, Mad Dog's, like, gang, or I guess Deed's gang, show up and <clears throat> shoot the shit out of, uh, Jester. He, Jester ends up dying at the hands of Mad Dog. Mm hmm. Uh, every, uh, everyone else in Brandon's gang shows up. But at this point, we learn that the, the gun that Kenny was holding is a toy gun, because uh, Nathan grabs it and tries to shoot Mad Dog, and ends up dying because he's got a fake gun. Right. Uh, then, they just, uh, then they just kill Kenny for no reason, and Brandon and Harry are left uh, looking down the barrel of a gun. Until... Until a man named Bear Walken shows up from a group called Millennium and basically says that Mad Dog is acting out of his place in the organization and uh shoots him and kills him. That's is that the end? No, that they is, kill they kill, they kill Deed Deed too. after that, yeah. Yeah, afterwards um Bear Walken passes the gun over to Brandon and Harry to take their revenge, at which point they kill Deed. Yes. And Brandon seemed pretty surprised about that. He was like, whoa, jeez, Harry. <laughs> jeez, you you just killed a man who killed all our friends. Weird. This pace is not going to work. Okay, here's the basic outline. After <laughs> this, uh, Harry and Brandon have a run-in with the leader of Millennium at one point while they're at the grave of all their friends, who's called Asagi Coldwell, a.k.a. Big Daddy. And Harry begs him to let him join Millennium, and he says okay and brandon goes with him and the most of the story is like harry making his way up the organization with brandon in tow uh and harry does it in like this really schemey way like he he's constantly like betraying or like sidestepping people and then brandon's just really good at shooting people brandon's really <laughs> good at shooting people it's true he's even better than uh the what's he called bungee Kusanagi. Well, oh, because isn't part of their group at the start. Oh, that's yeah. right. But he is hired to kill them. But either way, eventually they, uh, like, after a five-year time skip or whatever, they make their way into what is called the family, which is, like, the top brass of the company that uh, Big Daddy really loves as a family. And the one the, the one code of honor, the code of iron, as they call it, for, for the family is uh, just don't betray anybody. Just don't betray Millennium. Uh, surprise, surprise, Harry betrays a lot of people in Millennium <laughs> on his way to the top. Um, Meanwhile, Brandon is just shooting his way up to become, like, a, a big, like, the best hitman, The basically. top enforcer, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, also, during this time, uh, Harry starts an uh, illicit relationship with a 13-year-old. Yeah, he starts... Yeah. Is that right? Is that... Yeah. I was just thought she was very tiny. No, she, like, in the first, or couple episodes, like... There's like, oh, hey, Bear Walken, how's your seven-year-old daughter? And he's like, oh, she's fine. Then <laughs> she's it's like 13. <laughs> it's still messed up, but... <laughs> that is it's really It's still bad. messed up. 
But no, no, no. But like it was a six year time skip from that. So she okay. was 13. So, but uh, yeah. the idea is basically that he's using this as like a connection to get in. Yes, because it's Bear Walken's daughter. Yeah, he's trying to make friends. He's trying to like make these connections, you know, because she's she's very into him because she's 13 and has crushes on all the like sweet talking dudes, which yeah. Harry is extremely sweet talking. He's a bit yes. of a ladies man. Yeah, he shows as much even when he's, like, in a street gang. He's, like, hitting up all these ladies. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Uh, at the same time, um, Harry started making friends with people who were trying to get into the, the family as well. We have Bob Poundmax. Mm-hmm. Who's just a big eater. He's very, he's eater. very skinny, but he has a, you know, an extreme metabolism. Right. And we have Ballad Bird Lee, who is, um, Who has no character traits. No. Well, no, that's he's, not true. He he's is a, Chinese. Yeah, I was about to say, he is very Chinese. And also voiced by Steve Bloom. <laughs> but not under the name Steve Bloom. It's one of his pseudonyms. Uh, Steve Flower. He's really Steve Blooming it up. Yeah, kind of. It, it's it's always weird hearing him in, like, a bit role, because it always feels like he gets all the, like, big ones. <laughs> but yeah, so so Bob and Harry and Lee have made sort of this, like, small group together, because they're all, like, good at different things. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob's really big into surveillance. Um, well, he's big everywhere, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry's Harry's a sweet talker and is sort of the negotiations guy, and I'm not sure exactly where Lee fits into this whole thing. I think he's just friends he's, with Bob. He's good at PR, like he or not PR, he's good at HR. He's good at managing people. Yeah, um, that's right. Okay. He's later said to be a sadist and that was the one character trait i could really get out of him that is just he is not about that earlier on he doesn't have much of a character anyway uh while all this is going on brandon forms a friendship with big daddy the leader of the organization because big daddy has taken in maria after jester got killed and he knows that Brandon has a crush on her, and he sees a little bit of Brandon, or he sees a little bit of himself in Brandon, because they're similar, like, quiet but kind people who just, in the end, want the best for everybody. And we find out that Big Daddy didn't start the organization to do bad, to, like, be to be the leader of this evil, rich empire. He did it because he wanted to protect people. He is still in charge of a mafia, but it's supposed to yes. be, like, a good mafia. It's the good mafia. Yeah, like the 3-6 mafia. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. So, at this time, Harry's starting to do all this sort of, like, behind-the-scenes shit of, like, kind of swindling money out of the organization mm-hmm. and, like, pinning it on other people. Yes. So, he's he's doing this thing where he's, like, hunting down traitors. Mm-hmm. Quote, but, unquote. you know, basically just setting up, setting up people for a fall. Yeah. And also during this also, time... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you can say I just want. wanted to talk a little bit about, um the where brandon starts in the organization because oh, yeah. that had two of my favorite characters oh yeah the oh yeah the the guy who looks like steve buscemi <laughs> yeah there's steve buscemi and dad <laughs> but um so yeah he starts out in basically doing like um like small jobs of just like collecting pay yes, for the organization right. They they take bets on these stupid fucking Kiwi races because this is apparently a, a strange alternate universe where horses don't exist, except you see a horse later in the show. Oh, yeah. Kiwi, look, Kiwi races are the most mafia-funded really events fast, in the world. They're really fast, all right? 
It's like, we can't have that many legs on screen at once. And also, they just reuse the same shot of the TV showing the Kiwi races for the entire series. Well, it's you, like, well, they put the Kiwis in different lanes. It's not always the same Kiwi. <laughs> the bracket is just very stacked. Uh, that's just yeah, the way it so goes. At, to start, Brandon is very, like, against shooting. Yes. And eventually he, he grows into it just sort of understanding that it's part of his job. And he, Brandon is very good at following directions. Mm -hmm. Like, he ends up yes. making it higher up in the company because he gets involved in, like, trying to rub out some dudes who ended up stealing from Millennium. And it's like, wow, Brandon, you really killed those guys good. <laughs> I want you He's on like, my oh. team. It's like punching, but through a gun. Yeah, I get it. And then, and then that's how he becomes the like best hitman in all of Millennium. Yes. So after that, we have a short break where we have two new villains pop up and a new like mafia sort of group called Lightning. Mm hmm. We have B Blood War gets out of prison. Yeah, his name is Brad Wong, I think, but his his real name should be Blood War. His real name is Blood oh, War. Oh, I just assumed his real name was Blood War. Yeah, me too. This show. No, Canon Vulcan, the leader of Lightning, his name is actually Canon Vulcan. Okay, okay. Good. And they are working on some kind of technology that allows people to uh survive beyond death and like basically rebuild the proteins in their body real quick to be able to stave off damage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's called the Necro Rise Project. Yes, and it also makes them really easy to mind control, or makes them, like, very docile, so they take directions very easily. Th they show right. this by, like, reviving a dog that suddenly, like, shoots spikes out of its neck. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, because that doesn't actually become part of the thing until the next iteration of the project, really. Yeah, this is just sort of the introduction to what's happening, because uh, later on they'll steal the, uh... They'll basically steal the technology. Also, yeah. that dog was not very docile. It did not listen to commands very well. Well, that he, dog didn't. Well, yeah, that's but true. you know, they're early on. Right. The dog also wasn't dead yet, I think. So that's maybe why. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think all the other people get killed, and then because of the necrolization, they come back to life, and that's why. Okay. But that the only important part of that subplot is that uh, they get. The Millennium snuffs them out and steals the necrolization technology from them. Yeah, uh, so Blood War goes through the Necro Rays Rise technology, like, project. Yes. And becomes this, like, weird Blanca-looking Hulk kind of guy. With guns. With guns. <laughs> yeah. Right? With guns. <laughs> I, we should preface He's everything like, with I'm a with giant guns. monster, but I'm still just gonna shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, during this time when they're fighting against lightning, uh, Brandon meets a man named Bunji Kugashira, mm -hmm. who is, like, sort of their number one hitman. Yes. And Brandon and Bunji sort of come to this, like, mutual understanding through gunplay. Like, mm -hmm. that they're sort of, like, not exactly rivals, but, like, people with a common cause. Uh -huh. And Bunji ends up turning and joining Millennium, sort of to follow Brandon, because he recognized Brandon as the the better gunsman. Yes. Also, that part had a trope in anime I really liked, that people that are just such best buds that they can communicate telepathically. Right, which they do a number of times in the gun uh, fight against lightning. Right, mm -hmm. and... um. And uh, Blood War and Cannon Vulcan do it later when they're both dying. Oh, yeah. So Millennium is now in possession of the necrolization technology. 
Harry sort of like ends up doing one of his like double cross fall guy things where Brandon can see it. Um, and Brandon's like, hey, wait, you're not supposed to do that. That's messed up. So like his faith in Harry, which had already been diminishing because he sees Harry doing all this dirty mafia shit. Like he knows that Harry's doing all the dirty mafia shit. Yes. But now it's just at an all time low. Like, does he does he betray anyone important? That Harry, that Brandon sees? I don't actually... I don't think anyone important. It's a lot of people that, like, get names and stuff and are big in Big yeah. Daddy's organization, but none of them are, like, big name characters. It's a me- it's a member of the family. Um, so eventually, it, it comes to a head uh, in an elevator, and Brandon decides he has to shoot Harry because Harry betrayed the fa- family, so he betrayed the Code of Iron. Um, but he can't do it because Harry is his longtime friend. And Brandon doesn't like killing people he loves. And, but Harry kills him instead. He shoots him with a gun. Brandon falls out of the elevator. And he's dead. And, like, the the thing that comes out of this with Harry is sort of, like, he just thinks that Brandon has turned on him and sort of, like, Big Daddy has stolen Brandon from him. Because he expected him and Brandon to be top of the top the whole time, best buds. Together, yes. And speaking of people being stolen away, uh, because Brandon is, like, so busy with his job murdering people and all that, um, Maria and him end up, like, drifting away from each other a little bit. And uh, speaking of young women having a relationship with older dudes, uh, she ends up in a relationship with Big Daddy, who's, like, 200 years old. <laughs> he's like, I think he's twice, or I think it's, like, 2550. Okay, is the yeah, split, that sounds about at right. At least at some point in the story. <laughs> all right. But, um, yeah, so... Like, Brandon feels really shitty about his job. Mm-hmm. Like, he starts to feel really bad about all the killing, and he just feels like he is not the man that can take care of Maria because he's become so, like, cold-hearted and calculating and yes. stuff. And so he he's like, hey, Big Daddy, you can you can marry Maria. I, I promise I'm not bad. <laughs> yeah. They do, may, they do end up in a relationship with Brandon's consent, for whatever that's worth. Yeah. Well, I think B- Big Daddy's just a good dude. He is, yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely. So that's important for later. But for now, uh, in the end, Brand- uh, Big Daddy wants to kill Brandon, but he can't do it. No, and instead, wait, no, uh, no, not Big Daddy. He wants to kill Harry, you mean? He wants to kill Harry. Sorry, you're right. These names are bad, and I keep confusing them. All these ma- all these <laughs> well, Western people that's that surprising look exactly because the same. everybody's always saying their first and last name all the time. <laughs> I know. Well, Harry McDowell's the one, I think, who gets, uh, who's just Harry a lot. Yeah. Because he's yeah. also Bloody Harry eventually. Yeah. Big Daddy wants to kill Harry, but yes. he can't do it. And then they confront, <clears throat> they confront each, or Big Daddy confronts Harry, because he's a good dude and all that, you know? Yeah. And he's like, Brandon knew what you were up to. He's the only good kid in this duo. And then in a fit of rage, Harry ends up killing Big Daddy. Right. Right. Sort of just because he, now he feels extreme guilt. Yes. During this time, Harry has made a deal with uh, a man named Dr. Tokioka, who is the guy behind the, like, one of the big guys behind the Necro Rise project. Yes. Well, he was the, he was the original main scientist. To try to build this, like, undead army, basically to, Mm -hmm. to make the organization even stronger. Yes. Which is one of those things I think he has a fight with Big Daddy with at some point. It's just like, hey, do we use these superpowered soldiers in big days? Like, uh, no. Yeah. Let dead people die. Um, and so, at, so, let's see, um, Brandon is taken into the Necrorize project. Yes. Against Harry's will. Or, uh, not, like, he doesn't know about it. 
uh, I think Big Daddy learns about it and really hates Dr. Takioka for it. Someone yeah. does. Oh, goodness, yeah. now I have to look through it. Harry definitely doesn't know until yeah. afterwards. Harry doesn't know. Right, uh, Dr. Tokioka tells Big Daddy, and Big Daddy's like, you fucking idiot, I hate you, let him die. And then Dr. Tokioka especially doesn't. No, he doesn't. And then Big Daddy's like, hey, Maria, Brandon's alive, and he's living on a farm far away. <laughs> There's oh. a suitcase, with, and just call Brandon if you ever need him. So Dr. Tokioka runs away with uh, Brandon's body. Yes. And because uh, at some point the the necro-risen people all like activate and start just like destroying the, sci- the, the science lab. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Tokyo runs away with uh, Brandon, rechristens him beyond the grave, knowing that at some someday he'll be needed and another doctor takes over the... Uh, Takes over the work. And beyond that, you know, now we're back to the, the future. Now the revenge story and the story of the game, as it were, starts. Yeah, like several, maybe days before what the, where the game or the even first episode started. Yeah. And I think that this part can be summarized pretty easily as just Beyond the Grave goes around, kills all of uh, Harry's top brass who have all been, like, super necrolized. There's a new version that also turns them into weird techno monsters. But they're alive. It hap- It only happens to alive people who are very strong. Yes. Alive people who are very strong and very smart. Very strong like Bungie. Um <laughs> <laughs> I guess to uh, to let people know, uh, in the art book, every note next to Bungie Kukashira's name just ends with very strong. <laughs> like, it'll say, uh, he smokes very strong. <laughs> Needs to have trench coat very strong. So Brandon, in no particular order, kills Bob Poundmax, Bala Birdley, uh, Bear Walken, and Bungie. And that's also ex- that's actually in the exact order. Uh, no, no, Bear Walken is last. Yeah, you said, well, no, Bungie is after Bear. Oh, you're right. That is correct. So you were right. Yeah, okay, yes. Uh, also, Maria's daughter is there. Uh, she's just kind of there to fall in love with Beyond the Grave. It's not that important. Yeah, she... She's living out her life with Maria, and then they go and attack. Uh, yeah, a bunch of Millennium suits come in and kill Maria. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think, like, Harry said that he didn't want anybody to contest the throne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he just really hates anyone attached to Big Daddy at this point. And yeah. also, at one point, Ballad Birdly killed the two dudes that Brandon worked with earlier that Jay liked. Yeah. And then, anyway, Brandon f- kills everybody... Uh, at some point, there is an insurrection within the organization itself for no particular reason, where everybody decides, "Man, Harry can get fucked." It's see, well, because because Harry has been like so big on this whole necrorize thing and killing anyone in his way, and very clearly, like it's all not working out at this point. It is no. It it seems right. it seems like in this case, uh, everyone's just like, "We did all this shit for Harry, and it has it's not panning out anymore, and we all hate him, and everyone has already always hated him, but he's got." the weapons now he's yeah. gotta go and at one point like at the start of the the t- time skip like one of the governors gets killed by the necrolizers and and everybody knows it's millennium's fault like right. harry is messing up yeah he's become very very public with all this like hey i've because cre-, they've also like perfected necrolizing to make what they call the orgmen which are 
which are like the ones that show up in like the game and everything is like the ones little yes. bat wings, but they're like super soldiers and they just can't get beat by anything but like super special guns, which yeah. uh, Tokyo Tokioka has built. Yeah, the super bullets. Because he's had 13 years to think about it. <laughs> right. And then the story concludes, Harry has to go on the run. Uh, he's being chased down by Millennium Agents. And then Beyond the Grave finds him. And they have like a final chat about how they used to be friends. And in the end, Harry realizes that his evil ways were wrong. And then they both die. And that's the end of the story. Yeah. It's a it's a very different ending. <laughs> yeah. It's a better ending, I think. I like it. Man, Gungrave's great. I mean, it's a fantastic anime, I think. I didn't think that Harry ever deserved redemption. No, it is weird that they give him that. Cuz like, yeah, he's a good dude to start, but it's very clear he's also like willing to do whatever it takes to get to the top. Like from the beginning as soon as they hit Millennium, he is just like, "Yes, I am ready to do literally whatever it takes." Yeah, he says it, like, in pretty, in basic language. He says, I'll do whatever it takes to get to the top. And again yeah. and again, he keeps saying it. I don't think I've ever seen a story that makes me hate a dude as much as this. <laughs> like, it's just, it's 20, 20 episodes of a guy just being the worst man alive. And in the end, he doesn't even die. And that's, I mean, that's fine, you know, but it is weird that they try to redeem him a little. Yeah. Because he's way beyond redemption at that point. But I think it is it is so much about not whether or not we think he's worth redeeming, but that Brandon thinks he's worth redeeming. Yes. Because so much of it is about their relationship just as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really wish that this anime wasn't, like, based on Gungrave, because I think it would have been way better. <laughs> or, like, if it had just been... The, uh, the, like, pre... Like, it, like, the, the last shot is him, like, waking up or whatever. That would have also been good. Like, tie it off enough from the game. I think there's a, a bunch of moments they could have ended it on if they had, like, planted seeds for later storylines, like, very early. Mm -hmm. Like, it would be great if they could end it with Brandon falling out of the elevator, but at that point we already know about necrolization, and we already know that Harry wants to get rid of Big Daddy, so there's stuff that still needs to be told. Right. So, that's kind of unfortunate. But, you know, it, it is, it was supposed to be an adaptation of the game, and they just added more yeah. backstory to it, so... You know, they did, I think, the best with what they could have, because I, they probably couldn't have pitched it without the gun part. You know, like, the, the, the final part. Yeah, that would have been super weird. That would have been a Dragon Ball Evolution level of difference. But Except better, good instead please. of bad. Yeah. Yeah, let's... Let's... Uh, oof. Don't get me wrong, I love Gungrave. I think it's, like, in my top ten favorite anime of all time. Well, before the time skip. There's a lot of very, like good character building and stuff. Like, even within, like, the side characters, like, seeing the way that, like, everyone develops before and after, like, meeting Harry, like, you see, like, especially, like, um, Bob and Lee, you see very, um, sort of, like, happy-go-lucky. Like, they're yeah. not super interested in getting up to the top, but they're willing to do their best for Harry, and eventually that just grows into them becoming, like, more like him. Mm-hmm. hmm I think, um, like, episode 14 is, like, just 
a fantastic like episode of anime like i think yes. that that's that's the one where like, uh brandon dies yes, yes. The, the, it's the episode brandon dies and i just think that that's just like fantastic like i think that that is like if you were to say that this was like the like a great anime i think that that would be like the episode you point to but like mm-hmm. i personally like i think that this is a good anime like especially before the time skip but like whenever it gets to the whole like gunfights and stuff like it's just like this feels unnecessary and i don't like it as much as i like the game gungrave yeah Episode 14, incidentally, what happens in it is Big Daddy decides on who his successor is going to be because he's getting old. Uh, and he decides it's just some random dude who we barely even know when the obvious option would have been Harry. But they name him, so... Yeah, he's called Arzak Tino? Yes. Is that what he's yes. called? Yes. Um, so, obviously, like, Harry's pissed and he and Brandon go on a ride together. Everyone thinks Harry's going to win because he's got... He, I think he owns 80% of Millennium. Yes. And he's got a lot of pull within the organization. He's been, like, the one putting Millennium on the map even more than it already was. Yeah. Uh, But the majority of the episode is just Brandon and Harry uh, riding through their own town, like, reminiscing about the way things used to be, talking about the old orphanage and stuff. But it's clear that there's, like, a huge disconnect between them now. Like, they're totally different people, and they're, like, barely even capable of talking with each other properly anymore, because Harry's such a little shit, and Brandon is such a good little egg. Like, Harry's completely forgotten about, like, the friends who died in, like, the first couple episodes. And it seems like he's forgotten just everything. Like, at the very start, Harry and Brandon join it because it's like, hey, we're gonna come back, we're gonna build proper gravestones. I think they say, like, the biggest damn gravestones anyone's ever seen for them. Yes. Like, so much of it is about being able to come back and pay proper respect to them. And Harry is just forgotten in his lust for power. And it's- and it, it is- it really shows, I think, better than really anything else in the series, just how different these two ended up becoming. Because, like, you yeah. see the actual actions of them separate. They don't work together. So, no. you know, you see as you see each of them acting separately. But once they get together and it becomes so obvious how much has changed between them, that's, I think, where the whole thing really starts to, like, shine as their, like, relationship. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's a good point you bring up. I think it's really interesting just how different, like, the Brandon and Harry parts of the story are. So obviously, like, Brandon's out there, you know, killing people, but, like, he and Boonji and their crowd of people, and, like, I guess also Big Daddy and Maria, they have, like, these real conversations and they talk like real people about the stuff that bothers them and what they're thinking about. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, Harry is just, like, this super evil dude and Bob and Lee are just caricatures who you can't relate to. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, and that's interesting. Like seeing them develop separately, it's very good. Yeah, Boonji's actually probably the most human out of all of like Harry's group, and Boonji gets yeah. the most development. Yeah, and I think also the coolest fight at the end. Yeah, Boonji is really weird to me because he changes characters like really suddenly after he joins Millennium. Like, before mm-hmm. that, he's kind of like a too tough to care, like kind of ragged down gunman, and after that, he becomes like. Silly comic relief a little bit. He, he becomes best buddies with um with Brandon. Well, maybe yeah. that's because he finally has something to live for. Maybe. Like, like Boonji's whole thing is, like, suddenly he's basically Brandon's apprentice. Mm-hmm. Because 
boy howdy is Brandon so much better at gun shoot than Boonji, but they both have like this respect for each other because they're both extremely good at gun shoot. Right. Yeah, Brandon like crosses his arms when he fires. Like and oh man, you see cuz you see Boonji develop even during like the um the other fights with people like he's he's going to train, he's do he has been like avoiding the whole like necrorize thing so that he doesn't power up until um Brandon comes back because he's just like, yeah, I'm going to kill that guy because because like he tries to fight Brandon without the necrolizer. Yeah, and just and, like fucks up. Yeah. But Boonji is so big on believing that um that Brandon betrayed the organization because that's the story that's been going around to justify his death. Mhm. So he's really mad that Brandon like betrayed everything that he sort of taught to Boonji. And like Boonji drops out of the organization, he starts like living on the street like a vagabond. He's like drinking heavily. Like he's just going through so much shit and he has so much development through these last episodes up until the final fight with uh the final fight with Grave. Yeah. Actually, that is one thing that's weird. Like everybody is just like, oh, you betrayed the organization. Even like Bob Poundmax and Brandon Birdley. It's like Harry never told them. I think they knew and they're just like playing along with it at some point. Yeah. Okay. At that point it doesn't really matter anymore. When I was fifteen and I first watching this anime, and I saw the scene where uh, Boonji is getting beat up outside of a club. Uh, I thought what I was supposed to take away from that is that he thought he was weak not being uh, an orgman, and he wanted to get upgraded, but there's way more to it than that. <laughs> there's so much going on with his character, and no one else's in that organization. Because, yeah. like, even Bear Walken only sort of gets it. Yeah. Because Bear, Walk- yeah. Bear Walken so much has been, like, he, he basically he's just like um he's sort of doing the respect game you know it's about whoever's in charge he's taking care of them you know whoever he has yeah. these ties to so he still has sort of his like code of ethics and it hasn't really changed because even when he goes to like his his orgman form right his superiorization he still like has that honor to him he's very like serious about what he is also, yeah. I just love how big a fucking weeaboo. Yeah, Bear he's a Walken super. Is. He's a super Japanophile. The thing I love most about Bear Walken is that his daughter has a bear that has his sunglasses on it. <laughs> oh yeah, that was good. Oh, he's kind of a weird character though, because obviously he cares about stuff a lot, even though he does have like this code of respect drilled into him. Right, like he cares about his daughter and people in general, and it's weird just how easygoing he is about, like, Harry, this big dirtbag taking over the organization. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. And about how Harry's dating his 15-year-old daughter. Yeah, it's messed up. And then she dies. Oops. It's also oh, yeah. weird that Brandon is the only one who really visibly ages after the, like, ti- second time skip. Dr. Takioka gets more bald oh, every time Oh, you're you right. Him. He does, too. But, like, <laughs> bear walking and... Uh, Bob Poundmax don't get any older. They just get fat. Well, Bob just gets fatter. <laughs> no, he he gets fatter in the after first, the first time five skip. year times. Yeah, I don't think he gets too much fatter. No, I think he stays maybe a little bit. Harry's voice actor changes. Yeah, I mean that's fine. That was a bit jarring. Harry gets extremely old. Yeah, yeah. he starts talking like Snake in Metal Gear Solid Four. <laughs> He's just smoking a hundred packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> 
I'll tell you what my favorite two episodes of this show are, because they come back to back, and I think they form a great representative whole of the series together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's episode eight, episodes eight and nine. In episode eight, uh, that's the one where there's uh, one of uh, Bear Walken's best friend. I think it's called Sid Gerald. Oh, right. That, yeah, him. Yeah. Oh, right. Because yeah. with, the, there, with the son. Yeah, there's this whole story arc where uh, Sid's son does something. I don't remember what he does. But he, he, he botches an operation. He botches an operation. And I think and, tries to run away from it. Yes, and there's, like, this thing in Millennium where Millennium always comes first. Like, the the family, as in the upper brass of the organization, comes before his Sid's own family. Uh, but Sid's deci- Sid decides, man, I can't do it. Uh, and he I gives can't his kill son my son, some- yeah. Yeah, so he gives his son some money, and he's like, I never want to see you again. Just leave town, make sure they can never find you. Um, and then later, he has this heart-to-heart with Bear walking about it, who's, like, his best friend. And... In the end, I think he he tells Bear to go kill Sid, right, or to go kill his son, right? Uh, no, he, he no. He says, he, he, oh no, wait, sorry, I I got confused. No, he yeah. wants Bear to kill him. He in wants place Bear, of so, his son, yeah. Yes, because he let his son escape, which means that he he messed he up. He betrayed. betrayed the organization. Yes, right. I think he he took the blame for his son. Like he yeah. was like, it was me that stole it. But like they both knew that it was his son, and that's. I think that's like that was a great neat little story that shows like how the organization affects people and like how you start seeing ties when this bizarre code of ethics is forced onto you. And then the next episode, Blood War gets out of prison and joins his old buddy Cannon Vulcan because he thinks his new skull dogs are sick. <laughs> yeah, because he's part of a different group called Volcano. And yeah. he's like, actually, this guy's got some sick dogs. Like, he's, like, he goes, hugs his boss, and is like, hey, I'm gonna go. He's, his boss is like, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. My new friend's got way better stuff than you do. And and then someone, like, back, it, like, talks back to him, and he just fucking kills him. It's like, anyone else <laughs> want to talk about my retirement? No? Good. <laughs> and he's like, okay, good, and I'm gonna kill all of you guys anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's why they call me Blood War. Blood War, incidentally, has facial hair that I can only describe as a tribal tat beard. <laughs> so the idea was that both him and Cannon Vulcan were in a war, right? Yes. Because they talk about, like, coming back and, like, changing things. Yeah. yeah. Like, it seems like they're very, like, they're they're sort of the Vietnam vet characters. Right. Like, super oh disenfranchised. It's like the whole thing, they're super disenfranchised with what's come out mm-hmm. of it. And they're really just ready to, like, fuck shit up. Yeah. Blood War. Blood War. <laughs> they're just all oh, good names in this series. It's weird that anime original characters get, like, the the weird names that the Orgmen end up getting, too, you know? Because Blood mm-hmm. War isn't in the game, right? No. no. A Cannon Vulcan is? No. No, okay. That, I'm misremembering. <laughs> no, but the... But Graves, uh... Coffin has a Vulcan cannon in it. Oh, that's rude. That's why I got confused, yeah. <laughs> so was the coffin named after the guy, or...? I don't know. <laughs> the most respectable man in all the gun graves, the guy who made <laughs> yeah. the dogs. Also, I just love, like, like the ant- the video game outfit for Grave just feels so incredibly, like, out of place in this anime, and, like, 
throw it away like two episodes into the <laughs> the current yeah, thing. That's right. Just, like, he just gets a normal trench coat and a hat. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, okay, we're getting rid of the tiny cowboy hat. He doesn't have the coffin anymore. No, he's he shoot. I don't think he ever quite goes to like just shooting normal guns. I think he no. always has his his big revolvers. He also loses the sweet leg warmers. But eventually, like, with the guns, he gets anti-superior bullets to specifically fight the, like, the thing that makes the the organization members become their, like, super forms. Yeah. And they're very different from the, from the game. Yeah, Bob Poundmax is the only one that looks similar. <laughs> yeah, um, what is it? Let's see, um... Because we have Ballad Bird Lee, who just kind of turns into a spider? Yeah, yes. it's a really boring design. Yeah, he just kind of turns into a spider where his legs are sharp enough to be blades instead of, like, a guy with, like, uh, swords for uh, ankles and guns on all of his and limbs. And knees and stuff. Yeah. And then Bear Walken is just sort of, like, a big dude. No, he yeah. turns into, like, a big, but, like, a, like, weird deity sort of thing with the detached arms and all that. I think his design is okay, but I like his his stupid like motorcycle arm giant thing. arm better. <laughs> yeah. Um I think that might be one of the the failed designs for Bear Walken because uh, I know a yeah. lot of them play a lot more into the sort of like Buddhist character that he has, like the the side yeah. of him that's like very into sort of the religion. Yeah, I'm not surprised about that because the design is good. It's it's good. I like him. And then but, Boonji is a weird one because basically he just like becomes better at like moving. Yeah, he doesn't very really strong. transform. It's just like, hey, uh, I'm much better at all the things I already did. He does mm -hmm. that one attack from the video game where he kicks Grave up in the air and then shoots him. Yeah, no. Oh yeah. So all the fights are like kind of anticlimactic except for Boonji's. Mm, yeah, where they really, really play up sort of the like the gunplay and everything that goes on in that uh, church. Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of disappointed they didn't, like, set it in the church, because I think that that scene in the game is just, like... it The setting and really, everything? Yeah, the setting yeah. is just fantastic. But it's it really, I think, does the best job of anything of, like, really getting the game part in there. Right. I think the biggest problem with, the, uh, with all the big fight scenes with the Orgmen is that they either knew or decided, like, for safety in advance that the fight scenes couldn't be very animated mm -hmm. because it is a lot of gun. Uh, it's a lot of beyond the grave, just standing still shooting at the dudes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now. It's a little unfortunate. And it's not like the whole series looks cheapish. Like there's great looking parts in the first half. Like when bear walking or not bear walking, when blood war throws up the cigarette and mm -hmm. the cigarette spins around. Damn, that looks so good. Like, the, the part where Harry and Grave were driving, like, I thought that part looked great. Also, I thought the song was the one that played on the radio in Gungrave, like, the, the, the game, Here Comes but the Rain it wasn't. One? Yeah. Oh, Sounds yeah, Sounds kind of right. similar, though. I think it might be. That's used Maybe a lot. It's the same band. So, speaking of songs, I really wish they had picked a different ending song once the time no, skip stopped. Oh, it's so good. No, I love it's good. how inappropriate it is. It's good, but I really do wish once the time skip stopped, they had picked something a little more like evocative because, like, the whole ending sequence is so much um, just the like. It's still like about 
Harry and Brandon, like, making their way up the organization. It's, it, it feels so much more appropriate when they're, like, in, not past the time skip. Right. I think it's still fitting because Brandon still longs for that time. Like, he still wants to yeah. go back. It is, but it, it becomes a lot more dramatic. Like, you know, oh, I just killed this guy. And then, like, the super happy, like, sort of, like, 90s guitar pops in. But that is a good outro. It is a good and... outro song, though. Let's be fair. The intro is kind of bland, and it is extremely long. It is. But I think I think the ending, I think, is perfect, because every episode ends with, like, man, this situation is terrible, and then the Sonic Generation strings come in, <laughs> and it's, 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 I love it. It's, it's a perfect good, yeah, it is a good ending. I, I think it actually does kind of work out in, like, a sort of weird way. I think it always helps show that in the end, it doesn't matter. Like, Harry and Brandon are, like, so irrelevant in the grand scope of the world. They know, even though their situation's bad, on the whole, we can still be happy about things. So, uh, I guess one thing we can talk about is the, the, the dub cast, because that's what we watched. I found it, like, really hard to watch it in Japanese, actually. Oh, is that right? Like, I didn't even I, try. I don't know what it was about <laughs> it, but I just couldn't focus. Maybe just because it there's so little dialogue, especially in the first episode. Like, it's like, yeah. you, you look you you look away for a second because, you know, not a lot's happening, and I'm a very busy person. But, uh, like, then it suddenly, like, a, a line's gone by and you've just completely missed it. I just found it a lot easier to take in with an English voice, like something I could recognize and not always have to look back at. Yeah, this show was, like, a really, like, relaxing watch for me. Mm, like, yeah. I could just, like, lay back. Because, like, even with all the gun stuff, it's still, like, so much about, like, these interpersonal relationships. There's still so much going on that isn't gun. I think, ironically enough, the only performance that I think isn't very good is probably Brandon's. I mean, Brandon really doesn't have much of a performance, but yes. Yeah, but it's like, he always talks in this clearly fake, understated lower register. It's uh -huh. like, my name's Brandon. Brandon Heat. And that, you know, people don't talk with their voice like that, and it's a little weird. I, I didn't... I wasn't offended by it. No. It's just, just, it it just seems a little short. wronged, maybe, a bit. Especially because so, especially because he's voiced by uh, Don Patch from Boba Bo. Yeah, I was gonna say, and Jin from Samurai Champloo. Yeah, you... you um, he he's doing a very Jin voice. Yes, that's But maybe true. a little... trying to be a little more subdued about it. I mean, they're basically the same character. They both have ponytails and glasses. Right. And are strong. Oh, I guess Brandon doesn't have a ponytail. He just has long hair. Brandon doesn't really have glasses either. He just had Like, that's a fake glasses thing that he just has, like, a crosshair over the eye that got shot. <laughs> like, he was wore... He wore them when he died. Oh, yeah, he was wearing... When he's business professional, he has his glasses on. Yeah. I think they're not prescription, though. They're just vanity no. glasses, like Jen wears. From Samurai Champloo? No, he definitely needs them in no, Samurai Champloo. No, he doesn't. They se they have to sell his glasses in an episode. He's like, oh, they're just fake, but I want my glasses back. I don't... I thought... Hmm. Oh, weird. Boonji is voiced by the person who voices Dr. Cortex in all the most recent Crash Bandicoot games. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that uh, young Harry is played by Lupin from Lupin yeah. the Third. That makes a lot hmm. of sense, actually. Yeah. Similarly, like, ambitious characters, one is just a lot more goofy. <laughs> yeah. I, of course, mean Harry McDowell. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, love that Harry McD. A lot of these people are also in Samurai Champloo, by the way. I think it's just because that's that I, that would have come out, I think, basically at the same time. Yes. They're pulling so from basically sense. the same pool of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still Funimation, after all. They're known for, like, endlessly using the same voice actors, doing the same voices across especially all this stuff. Especially at the time. Yeah. I feel like, especially later on, uh, at least recently, they've started trying to do a lot more work with sort of their... Um, they're like lower, not like they're like even lower than their B list like group, mm-hmm. just to kind of try to get more people into it. Especially now that they're doing a million dubs all the time. Yeah, but you see a lot of big names pop up in here. Like you see um, Michelle Ruff and Carrie Walgren playing um, the two Asagi girls. Like there are a lot of very big names popping up, especially in the side characters. <laughs> like yeah. we said before, Steve Bloom's there. Yeah, well, he does a lot of smaller roles all the time. Yeah, um, one cool thing is they actually got a, um, a, a black voice actor to do Bear Walkin'. Oh, wow. Oh, That's wow. really nice. That's cool, because you could have definitely, if they wanted to, they could have just played it off as he's tanned, and his daughter also, who's a child. And that guy then plays a lot of other prominent, like, black characters in anime. Hmm. Um, like, um, A from Naruto plays DJ from Street Fighter. Okay. Oh. Who is Bob Poundman? Oh, that's Doug Stone. That's right. <laughs> Doug Stone sounds like it would be Bob Poundmax's real name. Yeah, <laughs> it does. <laughs> he also plays Jester, interestingly enough. Hmm. A lot of these people are also in Blaze Blue, I'm noticing. Huh. Wait, like the game or like the anime? Well, I assume they're basically the same. I don't think the anime ever got dubbed. Okay. I wish. The dub crew for Blaze Blue is great. You know what sucks is the new Blaze Blue game isn't getting a dub either. Oh my god. That sucks because that's all I'm in it for and the incredibly rich plotline. See, the great thing, the thing about Blaze Blue, uh, the dub at least, is that the main character swears a lot and he swears when he does all of his attacks so you can put down these sweet profanity combos. <laughs> <laughs> And if you're playing the Japanese version, it's just not the same, you know? Yeah. Who's the main character in Blaze Blue? Ragna. Uh, Ragna. Blood Edge. Ragna the Blood Edge. Yes. Oh, so, so the Soul Bad Guy? Uh, no, he's a lot nicer than Soul Bad Guy. But but he looks like Soul Bad Guy. He, he has the red going on and the big sword in a weird holster, yeah. Okay. Speaking of Gungrave. My favorite thing about uh, Beyond the Grave's transition from his video game outfit to the later outfit is that at one point he wears a black safari hat. Mm -hmm. That's really good. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. Oh, yeah, when he's just trying to blend in with society. Uh Yeah, when when he's trying to blend in with Mika there. And he never takes the tag off. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. They do show that. What a cool guy. (laughs) What a guy. Um, One of my favorite, like, things is just how Brandon Birdley, like, in the final couple of episodes. Ballad Birdley, my bad. Um, Just keeps referring to Bob Poundmax as his best friend. Yeah. Because there is no establishment of that. Just like <laughs> I think they sort of bring it up because, like, Harry meets both of them at the same time in that bar or whatever. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, 
you can't do this to my best friend, Bob Palmax, who is my best friend, without doing it to me first, because I'm his best friend. And then he suddenly does a kung fu, a kung fu move and a Bruce Lee yell for no reason. Yeah, because yeah. he's Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's not perfect in his portrayals of characters. No. I'll tell you what I think my biggest problem with this show is. Uh-huh. Uh, outside of the back half, half just being kind of trashy and lame, yeah. No, okay, so if we say trashy and lame, there's a really, really good part where, like, uh, where Brandon's, like, driving into the city, and a bunch of Orgmen pop up on this sick motorcycle. Oh, yeah. And they have a fight. That's good. But That's continue. a good fight. And, yeah, they even get the motorcycle from the game, which is a weird pull. Yeah. <laughs> My biggest problem with the story is how easily Harry gets away with stuff all the time. He's like the Joker in the Dark Knight. Yeah, mm. it's surprising no one thinks, oh, Harry's stopping all these people. Maybe there's a connection there? Oh, I don't even mean that. I mean just like there's times where really he ought to die, but he doesn't because, you know, he can't die because that's his story. Right. And it makes his, like, his air of I'm the best I'm building my way up to the company because I'm just that good at doing what I do feel phony because I think he's supposed to feel phony to a sense though no but I mean like the fact that he's capable of doing all this to begin with because mm. there are just so many situations that he shouldn't have been able to make his way out of in the series um, I think my, my biggest like sub problem here is Bob Poundmax himself who is like this amazing communications manager yeah, he's extremely yeah. good at surveillance. Yes, but then he's also, like, just kind of a goofy weirdo. Like, he's basically a comedy character, and that feels really weird for someone who is so important to Harry's ability to stay established as a top name in Millennium. Yeah. Like, they basically... That is basically brushed off. They just use Bob Poundmax to call Brandon and just, like, Harry's in trouble! And, like, Brandon's like... And he's like, did you did you hang up? I can't tell. <laughs> but you know, it's stuff like when uh, when Big Daddy confronts him, and then at the end when some of the people from Millennium confronts him. Like the only reason he doesn't die is because other people show up to protect him just in time. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of stuff just like that. I like. Oh, I'm I'm thinking of things where people get saved. I really like when they're fighting the um, the necrolized blood war, and what happens is like. They're having a real rough time, like, uh, Boonji and Brandon, because he can't get, sh- you know, uh, blood war can't get killed normally, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, on this, like, fucking boat, comes Bear Walken and his group, the Overkills. The Overkills. And, and, like, there are just five dudes laying a machine gun's worth of bullets into this dude <laughs> to, like, distract him, where then Brandon gets the final shot in. I like that we never really get told why Beyond the Graves guns are good enough to fight the necrolized soldiers. You mean during the flashback or after he's become Grave? After he becomes Beyond the Grave. Well, like, in during the flashback, they show him buying the very powerful handgun and that yeah. sort of was good at it. But I, I like then, that that's good enough. It's just a really good gun and that yeah. does it. And then eventually he gets, like, the superior bullets, but, like, that's... Yeah. That's not as big a thing. Like, that's just because, no. oh, these guys are crazy. So, um, I think, so, so the big, the big difference in the story is that aliens don't play into this at all. Mm-hmm. No longer is seed a thing. There's no drug that's making these people. It's all this necroli, necro rays, like, um, just science stuff. 
Yeah. I think that does a good job of, like, par- like it does a good job of paring down the story, where it's, like, it's no longer, like, this suspension of disbelief past this. It's, like, just be- because there's this is a thing that happens, like, in stories all the time, where it's just, like, this particular technology is already advanced past what is reasonable, like. Hmm. And it, and it. And it never, and it never feels like Kaba. Like it starts out early, a hey, this isn't very good, and then like it develops as the story goes on. Yeah, right. And I think I think that does a good job of doing that, even though the game is like fun and how like nonsense it gets. Like when uh-huh. you're trying to tell a story like this, I think it's better that it's more grounded. Yeah, yeah. For like an I anime, like it doesn't Pomex. make sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> he flies. Yeah, <laughs> but I just feel like. There's, like, a real, like, aesthetic thing that I like about the God and Grave video games. Like, they really designed this, like, strange, like, world that mm-hmm. is, like, with the angles and the size of everything that just feels like it's all slightly askew and that makes it feel very interesting. And I feel sort of disappointed that you don't never really see that in... The anime, the anime. Right. it kind of makes sense since they're trying to tell a more human story. But one thing that it does is it makes the city feel like a lot less interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see that. I think the slums were very interesting, actually, and the city is definitely yeah. less so. Yeah, the slums are interesting because they didn't really make sense. Because, like, why are these slums so close to the city? But yeah, I, I actually <laughs> did like their design. Jay, I'm gonna blow your mind. A lot of slums are in the city. <laughs> oh my god! Whoa! I think one good thing, though, from this, or I guess, interesting, going back to the games, is everything that's backstory can basically be considered canon. Um, yes. Everything up to Brandon getting shot out of that. Um, well, except the Kiwi races; those aren't canon. No, those are extremely canon. Those are the opposite of canon, which is Vulcan. <laughs> no but um you can you can take all this backstory because it still fits within the story and then at some point in those 13 years the necro rise thing is still happening because brand you know because uh brandon comes back to life as grave and but then just somehow aliens pop into it and there's drugs but effectively yes. there's still so much of that backstory that pops in so you it's like 15 of these 16 episodes still play into the game, and then the rest of it is sort of like a weird retelling. <laughs> yeah. And was, and they um they play with the, the Necro Rise stuff in a way that they don't in the game, where, okay, so in the game they talk about how, like, oh, he has to replace all of the blood in mm-hmm. his uh, in his body every so often, because that's just what happens with dead people. Like, well, yes, yeah, like it's course. not getting filtered or whatever. And in the in the show, it shows that um, Grave is slowly, like, dying. Like, just, there's no way to fix it. Eventually, he is just going to, like, fall apart literally. I think that's only because at one point he takes a lot of damage. Okay, so he just can't recover from that. Yeah, I think that's after the fight with Ballad Birdly. But that's still a thing that comes into play is, like, he is going to die, and there's just no way to save him. Like, his regenerative abilities just don't work at that point. Yeah. And it, it plays in because he loses an arm during a fight. Like, there's there's all these things going on, and, like... Yeah, he can't hold both his guns now. It's, it's oh my sad. God. It's deep. 
And I guess ultimately that plays into the end where everyone dies and there's no way to like really resolve the story in the same way that the game does. Yeah. They do mention uh, the blood replacing thing early on. Like that's how they hand wave why the necrolized people just start dying after two weeks or whatever. It's because they need to have their blood replaced. Otherwise they just fall apart. Yeah. And then with grave, it's just like, Oh, he sustained too much damage that we can't even do that. Yeah. Because we we do see him in that um that container that does replace his blood. Yes, he still has that in Doctor T. Still has that in his fucking van. Mm-hmm. So weird. <laughs> you know, for an anime that is just like a, a spinoff of like this really irreverent, silly action game, it's pretty neat to see just how much effort was put into making it look good and well directed and having good music and all that. Yeah. It's a very well put together show, I think. Yeah. It it is it is surprising especially as like just a video game adaptation that it can take so much from like I guess the implications of the game because I feel like there there was like an idea of all this when Naito originally like pitched this idea as it were. Yeah. But to to be able to flesh it out from where the game ended up seems so like surreal as like a video game adaptation thing. Yeah. Like in in the original game, like the only real line of backstory that you kind of get is like Harry saying like, "Ah, oh, Brandon, we used to do everything together." Yeah, you and... got, you just get that elevator scene, <laughs> right? And it's sort of like, but yeah, I I think it is like interesting how much like humanity they try to put into this very like silly and over the top thing and i i think like that's that's a good way to do it but like that's never really what i wanted from like a gungrave thing like if this was just about like a uh, mafia hitman gets like his best friend tries to murder him and then he has to come back i think that would be a lot more interesting than i think it would be interesting more interesting without the zombies basically yeah, I I can see that. It it's definitely the series is hamstrung by having by being attached to the Gungrave IP. Look, we gotta put the cowboy hat on the cover of the DVD boxes, so he has to wear it at some point. <laughs> so we got he has to wear it for one episode, and then he's like, not in a thousand years, and he throws it away and puts on the puts on the explorer hat instead. He never even took the tag off the cowboy hat. <laughs> Like, are there any other real, like, anime adaptations that try to, like, build on the universe more than just be an adaptation? Uh, the Super Mario anime movie from the 80s? Uh, that's the not Bayonetta real. movie? That's uh, not real either. Okay. Did, was it not, like, a direct, uh... I think, I think it's a prequel to... I guess there's Zone Bayonetta. of the Enders. Zone of the Enders does a bunch of, like, stories oh, over yeah. the universe. Zone of the Enders, I, I like that anime. That's a good show too, yeah. But it does feel so much like uh it it's built into this like most uh things you're gonna see are adaptations like straight from like RPGs and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Like with like modern stuff, it's like you've got God Eater, you've got Persona Four, you've got um Bayonetta. like Ina <laughs> No we talked about we got like Inazuma Eleven, like all of these ones are just like more more or less one to one recreations of the game 
if you're talking about continuing or expanding the universe, uh, there's the Kirby anime. <laughs> that one's good. Also, it has a great voice dub, or English dub. Yes. Is it tied to a game? Uh, no, at, at one point, yeah, because the villain from the video games is there at one point, and they do the Kirby Air Ride. Okay, okay. King Dedede is there. Right. Love him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they remade Kirby Adventure to be more like the anime. Yeah. So I'm curious about um, something. I-, I actually haven't seen Trigun. Well, you better change that. Yeah, I should. But um, I'm wondering if, like, does does any of the like character stuff from Trigun seem to like bleed in? Does it feel like Gungrave and Trigun are by the same person? Uh, do you mean the anime or the video like, game? Um, it, let's go. I mean, anime. Let's go. Like, just does it. Does it feel like the same sort of writing comes through in both those series? I don't uh, think so. But to be fair, I haven't seen Trigun in a very long time. Like, the last time I watched it was, like, the Badland Rumble, which I got for high school graduation. Nice. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Not really, I think. There's occasionally a similar tone, like, especially from the Trigun manga, where it's, like, characters being really serious about, like relatively weird and like world-changing events but that's even that is like a really loose connection and other than that i think they're very different okay i was just curious because i i wasn't sure because i feel like blood blockade battlefront is so very different from this too and yeah how it I, w- I watched yeah. blood blockade buddy fight or whatever and uh, <laughs> uh-huh. like yeah that that really like the Gungrave doesn't feel really anything like it. Like, it, it wasn't what I really expected from the anime. Um, just because, like, of the other stuff I have watched by, um, the Dr- Naito. Yeah. Hmm. I just wasn't sure, because I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if he's, like, the sort of person that has, like, a consistent voice, or if he's just writing sort of what he likes. I think Trigun and Blood Blockade Battlefront share some similarities, but he's definitely evolved a lot Yeah, since those days. Like, if you had told me Blood Blockade Battlefront was a Blaze Blue anime, I would have believed you. What? Why'd you say that? Because the character designs look a lot like Blaze Blue character designs. Eh, a little bit. You can see a bit of that. Like, the main dude's like Tager, basically. Yeah. We keep coming back to Blaze Blue in this. It's because it's so good. Yeah. It's the foundation of all anime. I think it's interesting seeing in, like, Blood Blockade Battlefront, it seems like that art style uh, that he had with, like, Trigun and stuff, like, sort of the bit lanky bodies, the sort of, like, long chins, seems to have mostly disappeared, except in, like, Zap. (laughs) Yeah. Uh (laughs) Who is, like, the most prototypical design, I feel, like, just how his face and everything looks. Yeah, that's true. Wow, like, it does seem like everything else has, like, built off of it in a way that seems like, you know, he's developed, and then there's Zap. Well, I mean, Trigun ran for more than 10 years. Like, yeah, even Trigun within... Maximum ended up be- t- taking, like, 10, 12 years, didn't it? Yeah, so even within that, there's, like, his style transformed a lot. Okay. Yeah, every time I think Trigun, I think only the original manga, and I keep forgetting yeah. that Maximum, like, exists. So I keep imagining, oh, from 1999 to 2002, he was just, like, 
sitting around eating up all that Trigun money, but he absolutely <laughs> wasn't. He was making new Trigun money. Was Wait, was the original Trigun only two volumes? Well, it, it was three volumes, uh, and it, it basically, it's not like the story ended and then he made an after story, it's just he moved magazines, and that's why it has a different name and sort of a new start. Okay, because like, um... I don't think I actually have them here. I think they're probably still at my my dad's house. But I had like the two like big volumes of Trigun, and then like a mm-hmm. couple of Trigun Maximums that were just like yeah. flimsy paperbacks. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. Yeah, he moved from a Shonen to a Seinen magazine as well, which you can really tell because Trigun Maximum gets out there, like in terms of like just violence or yes. Because it's suddenly for an older audience. Mm-hmm. Not immediately, but it gets there at a certain point. Like it, it gets okay. very. You can see like elements of the or, of the orgmen already in Trigon Maximum at some point. I think. I'm gonna find a particular thing you said to me about this this show, and we're okay. gonna talk about it. Uh, Gungrave. It's gangsta but good, and also Helsing but good, all in one show. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I did say that. I don't remember why. We were talking about gangsta at the time. Yeah, I mean the gangsta but good part's pretty obvious, I think. Is gangsta an anime or? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's, it's also a manga. Uh, manga. I also said mangsta because it's like a gangster. <laughs> uh, anyways. But I, I do, I think you can see similarities in a lot of those types of shows, just how Gungrave holds itself. Mm-hmm. But Gungrave seems like because it's tied to the game, it does feel like it's a weird in between of two different stories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's why it would have been better as a twenty-six episode just exploration of <laughs> of the past instead of having to tie it in. I think. Yeah, but then they wouldn't have gotten that money from Capcom, you know. You mean Sega? Yeah, it's Sega, isn't it? Because it's Red Entertainment. Uh, is it Sega? I think so. Oh, it is Sega. Damn it, you're right. Also, so Gungrave had the anime, uh, it had two games, and since then, like, nothing has happened since 2004, but a lot of, like, rumors and, like, plans got announced. They were gonna have a mobile game? Mm-hmm. They were gonna have a movie? I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. They were gonna have a live-action movie six years ago. Oh. I don't think they've announced anything since, and it's kind of sad. Because mm. you could do, like, a, like a John Wick sort of thing with it, I feel. Yeah, sure. Wait, was it supposed to be a live-action Gungrave movie? Yes. Oh, I would have totally seen that. They should get uh, they should get George Miller to direct it. I think that's the Mad Max guy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, that's why it's I taking so that. long. He's doing it now. <laughs> really play into it. One weird thing I noticed, and I don't know if this is like a weird Funimation thing or me not remembering it well. I'm pretty sure. So this is takes place in basically like the 60s or something. Like, kind of, er, like, not, not recent, like, recent America sort of thing. Yeah. But also, I feel like on one of the gravestones, it says it's the year, like, 20,000. <laughs> yeah, I think they, like, it's, like, 1999-9 or something. Yeah, it's something, it, there's, like, an extra digit added on there, like, and it's just like, oh, it's the year 20,000. Um, well, it's just a setup that takes place in the alternate universe, I yeah. think. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, Tiger and Bunny, like, it's like this near future sort of show almost, but then it's like, oh, it's a tombstone that says that I died in 1979 or something. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ooh. Um, closing thoughts on Gungrave? Do we have anything else we want to talk about just in general? I mean, I recommend giving the anime like a watch and the game a play, I guess. Me too. I think the game the game is campy. I think is what we can say about it. It's it's very like it it is extremely 2000s cool in that it's sort of just like about fast action run and gun like crazy story nonsense that's a lot of fun. Mhm. And yes. the anime is a very different beast altogether. That tries to make it a lot more of a serious story, a lot more of a human story. And I think while those two tones might clash, still what's developed in the in the flashback and stuff is very strong. Absolutely. So that really is a good good anime, even just in its own right. Watch the first fourteen episodes, then play the game. <laughs> there you go. Well no no no, because the there's still some more flashback stuff after that. Oh. There's still more to learn about the characters. I think, like, the first six... Well, watch episodes two through 16, I think. Yeah. That covers it. Uh, then play Gungrave Overdose, and if you like that and think, I could go for this, but a little worse, then pay, play Gungrave. <laughs> and a lot more digestible. Yeah. Is the thing. Sure. Yeah, I want to play a game I might be able to beat. Let's play Gungrave. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think it's it is a very different beast as a whole, mm -hmm. but still very good in what it does. I like it all, man. All like Gungrave, I love it. No matter what shape it takes, mm. especially because there's not just a ton of like real like strong mafia stories. I feel like in anime, yeah, no, like there's gangsta and there's like Bacano, and that's kind of all. I, well, ninety one days, which just came out, but there isn't like yeah. a ton. No. So it does it does have that a sort of fresh feeling to it. Yeah. Madhouse Madhouse does it again. They they did some good work on this. They often do. They did the Devil May Cry anime as well. Was that, Is that good? good? Yes. Okay. It's pretty good. I like it. It's not as good as this, obviously, but it's okay. Right. Because what could be. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, Dante doesn't get shot in an elevator. <laughs> and lose an I mean, eye. He gets shot in his own office. <laughs> oh, fucked up. And then he eats a pizza. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like my kind of hero. All I want is for Sega to hire Platinum Games for one last ride and make Gungrave 3. That would, oh, man, that would be really cool. Well, what would the Gungrave 3 subtitle be? So we've Gungrave, Gungrave Overdose. Detox. After oh. Overdose. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. It'd be like, and then we could get the Dr. Dre album to be the soundtrack. <laughs> Is that out yet? Did he finally put out Detox? He put out an album, but I don't think it was Detox. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He put out an album alongside Straight Outta Compton, I think. Oh yeah, he did the, because he did the soundtrack for Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, and I think that had a lot of new material on it. Hmm. But it's still not Detox. I think, I, I mean, uh, what's the guy called? Shinji Mikami isn't with uh, Platinum Games anymore, but Vanquish has the, had the gameplay. Mad World had the tone. You know, put those games together, that's basically Gungrave 3 already. You do have a good point about that. Yeah, yeah and those are basically. both platinum products. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're working on so many projects right now, like, why not just, like, uh, why Gungrave not Gungrave 2? in there? <laughs> Gungrave 3. Make it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> We've got money. We'll throw it you at know, you. You know, Sega? You should be listening. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, because uh, one thing to note is this came from the era of Funimation where they're using the creepy you-should-be-watching uh, whisper. 
Yes. So uh, that happens before every episode. Mm hmm. It's like, oh, I was turned away from the computer screen. I guess I should. <laughs> I will admit, I did tab up from time to time, so I'm sorry, funny. With this particular show? Yeah. I think that's, I think it's a lot easier to do because it, it does. It's not that it always, like, moves all the time. Sometimes it's just very atmospheric, and I think it's okay to look away at those moments. Yeah, you know? no, it's more because it's dubbed, and that means I'm not missing anything if I look away. Not a lot, it's just every once in a while I wasn't looking. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I actually, like, I went through this anime pretty quickly, like, faster than I normally go through shows, so. It was, it was definitely, like, an entertaining one. Me too. I am and not a good binge watcher, and I was, I had this, like... I could have had this done in about four days. I think part of that is sort of like it's it's got a different voice to it than you see a lot of mm. uh, shows. Yeah, because it is so much like slower and more atmospheric and about characters in a in a way that number of just like shows, especially of the time, just weren't. No, that's true. But it's always happening, though. Yeah, stuff's always happening, which is a weird dynamic. But they do it right. It is a very good dub. Like, we talked about uh, about it a little bit, but it is just very good, I think, at handling mm -hmm. the characters. Like, uh, I never feel like... I never feel like they're trying to rush through their sentences. No. Which is pretty impressive, I think, for an early 2000s dub. Like, they were still figuring it out at that yeah. time. I right. Feel. I think sometimes the screaming gets a little much, like the, like, the repeated name things just sounds kind of silly in English. You know, episode fourteen is great, but when Harry shouts Brandon, it's really embarrassing. Like when yeah, he that's Brandon. That's, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous, but still, you know, Blood huh. War screams good though. Oh, he's great at screaming. Yeah, especially when he goes necrolized, he just goes fucking nuts. And Ballad Bird Lee's weird Bruce Lee scream is pretty solid as well. Good job, Steve Blum. <laughs> They did still make him fight on a train. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. They may have changed a lot, but they, they left him on a train. They still had Bob at that dinner meeting. Mm -hmm. Except it wasn't on a blimp. He didn't throw a fucking chicken leg at Gungrave, and that's what makes me so mad. Yeah, I was disappointed bummer. that he didn't throw, like, the whole bodies at him, just, like, fat bombs. And Bear Walkins <laughs> still happens at his house. I don't think it was at Bear Walkins' house. I thought he just had, like, a Japanese garden on the roof of a place. It's like a house. It's a very Japanese place, still. Right. Yeah. He's still in a very Japanese house. He, like, that's one thing about his character that keeps popping up, is he's, he lives in, like, a very Japanese house. He's got, like, the tatami mat set up, like... What a nerd. He's got that, Who he's got that? that, um... Oh, what's the name of the thing? The, the bamboo, uh, water... The, uh... the thing that clinks... It is uh, Shishi Odoshi. There we go. Yeah, it's really good. It like it hits the rocks right as the title card popped up, and I was like, "All oh, right, this show is art." I almost <laughs> forgot. <laughs> it also comes from that era of the show where there's no uh, pre-opening like banter or anything. Yeah, it's like all straight into the song and then into the into the show, so there's no real breaks to it. Yeah, yeah. Which the the opening's kind of whatever. I feel. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I wish it wasn't as long. I I just not a not a lot happens in it, and it feels long because it's just a lot of like still shots. Well, I mean, like it's it's more than a minute, which I think is a sin in an opening. <laughs> well, a lot of them are about minute thirty. Yeah, most anime openings are a minute and thirty seconds. Oh, 
Well, all animes are sins in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if it was a catchier song, I think it wouldn't be as bad. But it's just kind of like this mellow Muzak thing. Like mm-hmm. jazz, sort of. Yeah. yeah, light jazz. It does fit into the theme of the show, though, which is very jazzy. Yes, totally. Uh, the show just has great music all throughout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, Sueno Imahori, who's also worked, who also worked on, like, um, Cowboy Bebop. He was part of the seatbelts for that. Hmm. He's done, he did Trigun music. You see a lot of that pop up. But he yeah. also is, like, in Hajime no Ippo, Wolf's Rain, like, he's a pretty big, like, jazz composer for anime. And I think the, that, that's one thing that does really good is the, that feel to it. Both in the games and in the, uh, in the series. I keep expressing the sentiment, but I just think it's incredible they got such a dream team together for the Gungrave anime. <laughs> they really did. And even for the game, like, looking through the art book and stuff for interviews, it's like, yeah, we just kind of stumbled on them while we were thinking about it. <laughs> like, it's not even like, oh, we picked these people. It's like, it'd be really nice to get these people on. And then they just, like, run into them at a con and like, hey, uh, you want to work on this? It's like, sure. Nice. Like, it's people who happen to be there. <laughs> It's fantastic. I love it. Really is just a good series that isn't quite indicative of like the 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 games, but even on its own I think presents a very interesting take on the whole thing. Yeah. I feel like this is like like a really good anime. Like if you watched it on your own, it would be like a really neat anime, but at the same time, if you watched it on your own and just like what what's happening? Why are they why are you fighting these giant zombies now? What? Like, well, they give you the first episode, at least, to get acclimated. I, I guess that is true. Yeah, the first episode is just supposed to throw you straight in, like, go, what the fuck happened? And then the anime is like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's me, Brandon. Brandon Heat. You probably wondered how I got here. If Brandon ever spoke, I bet there would have been a freeze frame. <laughs> <laughs> Just like while he's like shooting the the org man with his coffin Gatlin gun, like you're probably wondering how I got here. Oh, you know we the the first episode is pretty skippable because they repeat so much of it. But yeah. let's yeah. talk about how much it just gets you into Gungrave <laughs> because not only does he have the two guns, the coffin shoots out of the truck. And, like, swings around Grave, and then he immediately turns it into the Gatling gun and also the fucking, like, rocket. And just explodes this truck of Orgmen who are coming at you. Like, it is a perfect opening just to be like, oh, fuck yeah, wait, what the fuck is happening? And then it tells you. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. And then Mika can't shoot the can. It's like, oh, yeah, the, 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 the distinction between the two is like, oof. But I like how she has just as many bullets as Grave does. Yeah, she has, <laughs> she fit a lot of bullets in that gun. She never needs to reload. Oh, you can fit a lot of bullets into a handgun. You can do like 20 if you have a double-sided, uh, magazine. Well, she was using I, no, a revolver. She, she's using a revolver is the issue. Oh, oh, that's right. You're right. And then it just like pans down and there's like, 30 shell casings on the ground. <laughs> I've been at this for days. I also like that they show Brandon, like, reloading his, like, big fuck-off video game guns, but they never really <laughs> quite show it in a detail where you actually get a sense of how it works. Right, like, the bottom yeah. of that gun is just turned into, like, the, the, uh, the magazine. And it's just, 
it's funny because they, 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 uh, write it off, basically. It's just like, oh yeah, he's got infinite bullets. But he's gotta switch them out to be like, oh, here are my superior bullets. <laughs> I wish that he would reload like an S4 league where he just spins his guns around a little bit really indistinctly and then he has full ammo again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Good times. Good times. Anything, any final thoughts we want to say on Gun yeah, we, We've been doing final thoughts for ten minutes. You want any more final thoughts? Finaler thoughts. Like, as I as I think about it, it's just, like, more details about the show pop up that are just, like, real charming. Yeah. I'd probably buy that bear walking teddy bear. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, you know, one thing. Here's proof that uh, Brandon is a good guy and Harry is very bad. Okay. Harry courts a 13-year-old in order to get, like, get his foot into the mafia even more. Mm-hmm. Brandon ignores the 13-year-old that tries to tell him that she loves him. Well, there you go. That's the barometer of being a good person. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's right. not. It's a checklist with one item on it. <laughs> not a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes Brandon Heat one of the most uh, relatable anime protagonists in years. Oh, uh, God damn. And I don't think... Uh, I don't think the game goes over, but that's also one of the post-time-skip things that is canon, is that at some point, Sherry walking dies. Oh. They just never explain it or go over it. Oh, she's dead. I don't... Doesn't even... Wait, is that in the game? No. Oh, okay. That's in the anime, and it it is it is something that is canon, but is never brought up in the first game. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. They just forget to bring that up because it does it does play in later. So, in the actual like game canon, Harry has has married Bearwalken's daughter. Yes. Okay. That's still canon. Okay. It's Vulcan canon. Oh my god! We already did that. Oh, <laughs> it's a callback. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's one of those pinnacles of comedy. Callbacks, rule of threes, and yes, and just like the fake gun, it's a callback, right? <laughs> I also like that it starts and ends in the bar, you know. Oh yeah, I think that That's that does deep. a good that that you know it's got a good circular thing to it. The series of flashbacks where like they're like going through their ages as they talk is is a really like effective scene. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. when they're just hanging out in the bar and the, the ghosts of the people pop up as they're like talking about the different moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Harry realizes that he really lost everything he loved. Right. Like we do, we do talk about how it's a weird ending, but I think it is still like emotionally and like how it handles its like theming, it's very effective. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think it's a perfectly fine ending. It's just it's a little just strange. weird. I yeah. just feel like I should have been able to pull the trigger on Harry. <laughs> like in the game. Yeah, when you get like to. in God of War Three. Right. <laughs> I got it where three stole it from Dungrave. I've been shooting Harry for 20 minutes. Why won't it stop? Um, I don't know. I don't think that's a reference anyone gets. But I mean, I got it. So thank you. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember what I was going to say. I guess it probably didn't matter. The ending theme is by a band named Scooby-Doo. Nice. I didn't know that, but it's a good ending theme. Oh, well, now you do. Oh, yeah. I do think... It's weird that after they, like, sort of go from, like, the earlier gangster theme to more, like, the theme, the video game style for a couple episodes, the final two episodes really go back to that earlier style again. Because in that sense, the ending does make sense. 
Yes. But mm-hmm. It's just such a weird bookend to the series after like eight episodes of Beyond the Grave shooting up a bunch of weird skeleton men. Yeah. And also big like amorphous blobs. Yeah. And that's Gungrave. That's Gungrave. That's Gungrave. What a good show. Get it on Blu-ray. Yeah, why not? It's it's good. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you can't get any of the special edition stuff attached to Gungrave, but you know, it's fine. You can get that revolt. Oh my god. Have you guys seen the Cowboys from Hell figure of Beyond the Grave? No. Google that well, right wait. now. I've seen a figure of Beyond the Grave. You said Cowboys from Hell? Cowboys from Hell, Gun Beyond the Grave. Just type that. I don't know if you'll get what I'm looking for if you do that. I mean, Cowboys okay, from yes, Hell you a- will. In the images tab, you will very much get. <laughs> what? For those of you listening to the audio cast right now, he looks like a Ken doll dressed up like Beyond the Grave, and it's. Honestly, it's amazing. I just first, I thought this, this was just a dude. <laughs> it's a really good head. It's a really well detailed head of some white guy. Yeah. <laughs> is, is this official? I think so. And one of the things, he just has, he's wearing like goggles, like aviator goggles or something. You know when he puts the when he puts the cowboy hat on, I can almost not tell that this is just like some imposter. <laughs> yeah. because uh, like they did a whole bunch of figure stuff like as tie-ins, I think for the yeah. games. Yeah, it's and easy to forget, but Sega did try to make Gungrave a big thing at one point. Like they wanted it to be their Devil May Cry. They, yeah, they really wanted, I think, to push Gungrave, and I think. To a sense, it worked because it got a second game, but I think so much of that is, and I think I discussed this a little bit, is, like, the Western audience is the big thing that draw that drew Trigun in. Yeah. And yeah. so this would have only worked for a Western audience as well. Mm-hmm. This even more so than Trigun. One thing I like about this figure is that it just comes with a bunch of, like, assortments of plastic tiny bullets that you can scatter around him. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah, but if you're gonna get a Trigun figure, or a, a Beyond the Grave figure, get the Revoltec one, because it's a lot more accurate to the source material. And please don't buy the Cowboys from Hell one. I mean, if you can find... I don't know how many of these were produced. I don't know, but it's probably super expensive, because it's one of the ones where everything is, like, real cloth and real tiny buttons and stuff. Jesus. I'm gonna say $600 at least. I also appreciate that if I search for Beyond the Grave figure, I get pictures of Lemmy from, uh... <laughs> 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 Damn, rest in peace. He, I bet he loved Gungrave. <laughs> Man, if they are still doing that live-action movie in 2010 and not now, they could have gotten Lemmy to play Beyond the Grave. Oh, uh, they could have. No, he they would he would have played Rocket Billy because he would have been able to use the guitar. Oh yeah. But that was our uh, single-serving episode on Gungrave. Yeah. James Hetfield could be Blood War. Oh, that's good. That's oh, really good. Let's okay. Uh, we're casting metal. No, no. <laughs> we're casting metal artists as fucking the Gungrave characters. No, um, yeah. This is our first time doing something like this. So, uh, let us know what we could improve on. Because I know we had a little bit of like initial difficulties just trying to figure out the pace at which I think works for a synopsis. 
Especially with something of 26 episodes. Yeah, where a lot happens. Yeah, just uh, let us know what we can improve on. In this case, I think it's very important, because we do want to do more shows like this eventually. I mean, not as tie-ins as and shilling for, you know, my other projects, but, you know, just in general. I, I was very happy I could be here on this inaugural episode. Yeah, you're special, Jay. Friend of the yeah. show. I'm glad you were here. Oh, thank you. And, um... So, uh, you can send that either to our Twitter, which is at Coco underscore disaster, or the, uh, the email, which is chirpsawaysa at gmail.com. Uh, probably not a good idea to leave a review specifically about this episode, but if you want to leave a review, <laughs> you know, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play Music. You can leave a comment on YouTube if that's where you're watching. Yeah, you can watch it on YouTube. You know, we do that too sometimes. Sometimes it's, it, we, I don't remember that except that it takes us like, a uh, hundred hours to produce the video version of this. Yeah, well, me. Well, yes. It just takes me super long to do the audio, too. Yeah. Look, we work hard for you guys. A lot of work goes into these shows, yeah. But yeah, um, and if you want, if you need more information on all the things we just said, CocoDisaster.com will lead you to all those places. That's true. Yeah, um. Where can they find your LP? Uh, oh, right. Uh, well, if you're watching the YouTube, Let you me give you know. the exact URL. <laughs> <laughs> Watch equals. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, if you've... If you're watching this on YouTube, you already know because this is the channel you're on, but it is YouTube.com user chorpsaway S-A-C-H-O-R-P-S-A-W-A-Y-S-A and you will find uh, that Let's Play and other Let's Plays there, but they're, they're not related to anime. Well, I, actually, there are a lot related to anime. I can't pretend. But not to Gungrave. Right, just not to Gungrave. But yeah, um, this has been fun. I think this is good to sometimes, like, pare down the discussions we usually have. Yeah. I mean, you, Jordan, Jay, you're not used to this. No, I've never done this before. Join us next time when we talk about ReZero. <laughs> no, Jordan. Oh. It would basically just you be telling me how much you hate ReZero, which you already do enough <laughs> I mean, of. I don't hate it. That's alright. Huh. I mean, it's bad, but it's not really bad. Yeah, also, um... You give it zero out of five? <laughs> a ReZero out of five. Oh my god. But, uh, if... If you have requests for shows you'd want us to cover, you can also send those. Not that they'll immediately get fulfilled or fulfilled ever but you know it's it's something we we can take into consideration we do have some already lined up as like ideas for what we want to cover for later shows but you know it's always nice to hear what you guys want and if it falls exactly in line with what we plan to watch then you're gonna be in luck <laughs> yeah boy howdy because we in, in that specific situation we listen to our fans yeah and maybe if you don't send us something that's bad <laughs> yeah. Let us watch good things sometimes, Jesus. Well, you guys, you should just make shell accounts and just suggest the animes you want to <laughs> do. <laughs> oh, wow, this one comes from Borps Away. <laughs> and says, <laughs> says we should watch uh, Evangelion. Well, boy, howdy. <laughs> oh, this one comes from Borden Kai SA. <laughs> <laughs> And says, man, why don't you handsome and talented and single young men watch uh, the original Berserk TV series? Wow. 
Uh, this one comes from Bajay. <laughs> and says, hey, get that other guy on the podcast again. He sounds handsome. <laughs> and watch uh, Afro Samurai. Anyway, this has been Boko Disaster. <laughs> I'm Borpsaway. <laughs> no, you gave away your cover. <laughs> oh, fuck, I mean I'm Torpsaway. I'm Jordan. And I'm Jay. Sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs>